Thank you for checking out this episode of Raised on the Radio from the CEP Network. If you like what you hear, do us a favor and hit that subscribe button on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts and give us that five-star rating. Maybe even leave a review to let others know what you think of the show. And while you're at it, give us a like and a share on the socials and tell all your friends about the variety that you get right here on the CEP Network. The CEP Network has a promo code for one of the best nutrition and supplement companies in the business for you to use. Whether you're looking for a custom oatmeal, a multivitamin, a fantastic tasting protein that you can order by the pound or simply looking for a company you know you can trust to send you the best quality products available true nutrition has you covered just go to truenutrition.com look at all of their great products place your order and when you go to make your payment type in c-e-p-n in the promo code box for five percent off of your entire order it is that easy if you've been following us around on the social medias, you know that we have teamed up with Bijack out of St. Louis for all of our CEP Network merchandise for all of the shows. Bijack has raised the bar on comfort and convenience. Go to bijack.com slash CEP and take a look at the tees, hoodies, mugs, and koozies for Raised on the Radio and the rest of the CEP Network and get some gear. You will be glad you did. In this episode, we break down UFC 261 from Saturday night. We talk about whether Dana White should consider working with Jake Paul, and we talked about the passing of Shock G. If you would like to get a hold of Patrick Blair or myself, you can reach out on the social medias. You can reach us on the Raised on the Radios, Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter pages. And if you have any questions, concerns, comments, or topics you would like to get our thoughts on, don't hesitate to reach out. And now, let's get into the episode. Well, hello there. Thank you for checking out this episode of Raised on the Radio. I am one half of this show. I am Cole Brocato, my good friend Patrick Blair in Zoomland for episode number 65. 65 is a pretty big number that... Especially for Zoom. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I, I, I wouldn't say I'm surprised that we made it this far, but when we started this thing, we didn't really know. Like We, we had a premise, but that was about it. Did we have a premise? I mean, I mean kind of. It's like, I hey... I think we had a name. I think that's about it. <laughs> Okay. I, the name is our premise then, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, still, I'm tired of Zoom, dude. Me too. But, you know, we live an hour away from each other. I mean, last night would have been a good night to get together and do a podcast. Dude, that's for that sure. Was, that was a crazy event. Yeah. Insane. How, how many people walk away? Hang on. From that event Hang on. with Corona. <laughs> oh, I was going to. Okay, we'll get in it. We'll get into that in here in a second. I was gonna say when you said walk away, I was like, there are several people that aren't walking away after last night's fights. But how dare you? <laughs> What's wrong with you? So disrespectful. I know, but uh, yeah, for sure. I mean, do they though? Like we've talked about, like do Florida's what? the wild, wild west. They have been since from the get go. Yeah. So it ain't it, for them. It's not any different that that house was packed last night, right? Uh, I don't, I don't know. I, I guess not. Yeah. I don't know. That was a lot of people. It was a lot of people. They sold it out, right? Yeah. 15,000 something. So are, uh, do you know, like moving forward, are they trying to do, are they only booking events in places where they can fill the stands now? Or is this going to be like a, you know, 
Some places they can't have fans. Some pa- places they can. Some places a limit capacity. Some places aren't. What you know? Well, I no. I think the the idea is that they're they have a gate. They have fans because okay. the gate was like three point three million or whatever. That's nuts. So, uh, yeah, I, I would imagine that that's they're, good for the business. They're so excited. I'm sure about having that back. Yeah, I mean they're gonna do Florida. They're gonna do Texas. Um, I'm not gonna lie. I liked it with fans. Wait, isn't the next one in Vegas? I don't know. The next pay-per-view or just the next event? I think I think pay-per-view. I think the next one's Vegas. I might be wrong. Mm. Uh, the next one. So the next event would be Dominic Reyes and Yuri Prochaka. Uh, you got phlegm in your throat? That's how, that's what that sounded like. Prochaka. I, I don't know how to say his name. It, that's a t- It's a tough one. But anyway, that's the next event, I think. And then the next pay-per-view is Chandler Oliveira. Right. I don't know where that's at. Is that in Vegas? I thought that was somewhere where they're going to have fans. But no, I don't know. Nonetheless, um, it, I liked it. We have having people there. It yeah. was, it was a. Don't get me wrong. I like that I've been able to watch UFC for pretty much a year. Yeah, they were gone for what a month, and they found a way to come back. So yeah, but it was nice to have the fans, especially for an event like that where you know, all three title fights end in a finish. And then the the first two fights end in horrible injuries. But the fans made that kind of not I don't want to use the word special, but yeah. the fans made it fun. I mean it was it, it was fun all around to watch the fights, but it's also like I think I paid seventy bucks for how many minutes do you think we've got of fights throughout that whole main card? Maybe eighteen. <sighs> Well, <laughs> the the Weidman uh, fight was 17 seconds long. 17 seconds. So so Anthony Smith and Jimmy Crute went into the second round, and it ended at the beginning of the second round. True. Shevchenko and Draj went to round number two. Right. Uh, Rose won by first round KO. Uh-huh. And then Usman Masvidal was round two. Yeah. So... Why does Thug Rose talking piss you off? Uh, I, I don't know. It, she just annoys me. It, it's just. It, so you're not a fan in general? No, no. Really? Never. Yeah, she's dumb. She's a dummy. I know that sounds. What, what does that mean? She's a dummy. Well, she's a dummy. When she speaks, I, I find her to be profoundly stupid. Okay. That's just what I mean by that. Okay. Like after she won. Pat Barry comes up to her and is like, you know, you're the best. You're the best. And she's like, I am the best. And then she said that to Joe Rogan. I was like, would you? I don't know. And then that whole thing about what she said about China and I love people of all cultures. Can you just shut up? Okay. Like when she was fighting Ioana, she was like, I was saying the Lord's prayer. Like, shut up. Ugh. She seems like one of those. Um. I mean, she's a badass, but she seems like one of those that have like n- absolutely needs somebody in her ear telling her, like motivating her, almost like she can't do it on her own. Uh, yeah, I mean, she's a badass fighter. Don't get me wrong. I had nothing but whatever. I, I, I yes, I sound like the hater. I, just that kind of attitude and that kind of. Okay, here's what I hear. I, I think I said this about DC before. Okay. There's there's confidence. There's there's being confident. There's being cocky. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. 
then there's being unsure of which one you are. That's what she is to me. That's what DC is to me. Okay. DC is a terrible trash talker. To me, he reminds me of the kid in school that would have like jumped in at the last moment when someone was like getting bullied or made fun of. Okay. He would have been the one going, yeah, that. Like, <laughs> fuck off, dude. It wasn't your idea. You're a dork. <laughs> That's what she reminds me of. She's just unsure of which one she is. And okay. it comes off so phony to me. Okay. Doesn't mean she's not a good fighter. Yeah. Clearly, she's a good fighter. But yeah. I mean, uh, that, head, I, that head kick was, was legit. Um, yeah. So, what about the Zhang? That's that's how you say her first name, right? Just Zhang. Wiley. Wiley. Wiley Zhang. Zhang. I don't know. Anyways, go ahead. You know, of course, like any other fighter, she she was pissed when she got back up because she thought that the fight shouldn't have been stopped. She clearly her body went limp when she got kicked. But if you watch the video, she was still kind of it. It looked like she was kind of coherent still. Um, well, now she still had somebody her. pummeling her face on top of her that she couldn't stop. Yeah. Um, but I, I don't know. I'm just curious on, was it a good stoppage or do you think there's yes. any way at all that she could have flipped over and I don't know. I, I'm just curious. Uh, I think it was a good stoppage. Okay. Yes. Okay. Yes. Um, uh... <laughs> Yeah, it was a good stoppage. Do you know what I'm talking about with Rose talking about China and all that? <laughs> yeah, I do. It you would, do? Yeah, for one, it didn't come across well. Like, I didn't even... I think the crowd was too loud for anybody to really hear what she was saying anyways. Um, well, do you know how it started? Do you know the evolution of that, of what no. she said prior to the fight, what she said about... No, I don't. Wiley and... I would have to look it up, but so that's what she was referring to. I mean, I know she, and I know I she, like, she was saying something like what she said, I guess, in social media isn't how, who she is or something like that. Yes. So here, or it, came, it came across the wrong way or something like that. Well, yeah, it was misinterpreted is, was what she said. However, my whole thing about it is I just don't think she's intelligent enough to even so Nama June Nama Nama Yunus says her anti-communist comments have nothing to do with Zhang so this is what she kind of got into here she's she's told an interviewer that a source of motivation for her upcoming fight with Zhang Wiley is that Zhang is Chinese and that this according to her logic meant that Zhang represents communism whoa okay but Namajun has further explained that she felt driven to fight against communism because of her Lithuanian ancestry. Okay. She added that some of this inspiration comes from the sports documentary, The Other Dream Team, a movie about the Lithuanian men's basketball team competing at the 1992 Summer Olympics. Okay, so it's not actually your anecdotal experience you were talking about. You saw a documentary and you felt compelled to... <laughs> call your opponent a communist that's that's what you're I, I, okay fine you're lithuanian i understand i'm not gonna uh, again it sounds like she like it the, sounds like for some reason she tried to connect the two like connect that to her fight somehow and it just it came across the wrong way she did but here's what i think she was trying to do i was think she was trying to rally the fans on her side by doing so and it was a big swing and a miss gotcha okay <laughs> which is why I think she's a dummy. But anyway, 
good victory. Good for her. Proud of her. Good job. <laughs> do you do that rematch right away, or who, who does she fight? I kind of think you have to, right? I don't know. Who else do we have in the mix there? No one. No one. There's a... Uh... Man, are we... God, we have, especially with women, in women's divisions, we have several divisions where we're just kind of fucked, right? Like, we don't have... We can't... We don't have much we can do. Like, the fights have already been fought, and... and like, like, Valentina Shevchenko. Who does she fight? Is she the most boring champion in UFC history? I mean, she's a badass... And nobody in that division is beating her. No. It's so boring. But I think she's too small to move up. No, she fought at Bantamweight before, and she went to a split decision with Amanda Nunes in their second fight. People think she won the fight. That's 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 who she has to fight next. That has to be her next fight. There's no one else for her to fight. So she'll have to move up because there's no way Amanda Nunes is making 125. So... She'll have to move up, and yeah, why not do it third time? Okay. You know? There's no one else. Otherwise, she's going to continue to be the most boring champion. But that's the thing, too. Like, if she moves up to 135, say she fights Amanda, Amanda wins, what, is, what does she do there? What does she do in that? I mean, that that's the third fight we've had, but it would, would be the third between her and Amanda, right? That's what you said? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, the trilogy's, the trilogy's over at that point, and now what does she do? Go back down to 125 and fight someone. <laughs> Why? Like, it's you can fight Caitlin Shukagian again. I don't know. <laughs> Bore the hell out of us some more. I have no idea. Well, we haven't even talked about the main event. Did you? So let me ask you something. You asked me last week, like, what's your prediction for that? What do you think happens uh-huh. for Usman and Masvidal? And I said, I think Usman does the same thing he did in the first fight. Pushes him up against the fence kind of beats him up that way, takes him down, controls the fight, wins a decision. And I compl- I, I 100% agreed not, with that. I did not expect the ending we saw last night. I didn't either, but you know that Masvidal got too cocky. That was part of that. Now, in the in, um, in was that he a little bit relaxed, sure. Well, in that exact moment though, he wasn't. Like I mean, he his hands were up, he was you know, in the moment, but seconds leading up to that he had his hands down because he took a shot in the mouth and he was like you know several times he dropped the hands and laughed and you know was trying to make something of it like a spectacle of the fight that that's what i mean by he was getting too cocky yeah well yeah i mean that's the way he fights but like dude usman's right hand might be one of the most dangerous weapons in the ufc He's getting better. That's the crazy thing. He's yeah. 34 years old. Mm-hmm. He's now defended the title four times, but he's getting better. And you can tell with each fight. Yeah. Masvidal, the reason that, he, and I rewatched the fight this morning. Um, Masvidal didn't see that right hand coming at all. Oh, no. For, uh-uh. Throughout the fight. No. He didn't see it once. No. He got hit with it four times before the eventual right hand that knocked him out. He got hit with it four times. And all four times, he did not see it coming. Um, and it's set up perfectly too. Yeah, dude, Usman's just getting better. Yeah, and that's pretty crazy. That's I, pretty I, crazy. I, I, for a guy I, who's on a 14th fight win streak, I was worried. I say worried. I was in interested because Usman came out like 
that you said a while ago, like confidence and cocky, there's a difference between those. And yeah. I thought in the beginning, I thought that when he first came out and he first came into the cage, like I thought we had reached cockiness. Usman? Because that, yeah, with Usman, like just the way he was talking or, or acting, and I don't know, I, I just felt that, and I, that's what kind of, that's I guess it motivated me, it interested, made me more interested in the fight. Yeah, yeah, I mean he, I mean yeah, I mean he, he definitely is in the middle of the two for sure, of confidence and cocky, and uh, you know. So what? So I would only say that he gets cocky when people pull it out of him. You know. Did you see? Well, oh, actually, I, I think I think I texted you right after that fight when they were when that chick was interviewing Colby Covington, and I think you were saying you were tweeting exact at the exact same time that I was saying what I was saying about Colby. I hate him, yeah, and he's a terrible interviewer. Well, look, yeah, no, right as you were texting me, I was tweeting. So uh, my tweet was just when you just when you think the UFC had a perfect event. They let Colby Covington get on the screen and stutter his way through an interview <laughs> and bore us all. Yeah. Something like that. I don't remember exactly what I tweeted, but something like that. But he did. He stuttered his way through. Well, it, like I said, I told you, I think he had three things that he wanted to say in that interview. And, and she asked a question and he somehow stuck whatever he wanted to say into it without answering the question. Yeah. Speaking of dummies, he, oh my God, he's the perfect example of the, the two examples I gave earlier of Rose and DC. Mm-hmm. He is the perfect example. You know how I know he's a dork and he was a dork and he always will be a dork and he'll never stop being a dork and will remain a dork until he retires from MMA. I'm listening. He does something and you might not know what I'm talking about, but this is something I'm an observer of people. Okay. Okay. He does a fake laugh. Okay. But let me tell you what kind of fake laugh this is. This isn't like a performance type fake laugh. You know how like some people have a fake laugh where they're like over the top because it's a part of their game, their thing. Like comedians do it sometimes, right? Uh-huh. It's just their thing. You know that's but it but it's obvious that it's a fake laugh, right? Right. He does a thing though where he goes like this. <laughs> like that. He oh, that's his, gross. He puts his hand up to his mouth and <laughs> are you serious? <laughs> like, dude, what are you? A fucking cartoon character? <laughs> that's gross. He's a dork. That's why. I don't and like you know, that. I know that's a dorky thing to do because all the dorks that I went to school with when I was in elementary school did it. <laughs> <laughs> you're faking. You don't know what's happening. You don't know what you don't know where you are. You don't know if you're coming or you're going. You're faking. That's a fake laugh. You're a nerd. <laughs> um, he does that. And then he does the, uh, what's the other thing? That he, well, the stuttering. I mean, the stuttering during the trash talk. It's like, oh, God. Like, how do you even how do you even take him seriously? Yeah. Uh, he Here's what needs to happen. He needs to fight Wonder Boy. The winner of that fight gets to fight Usman. And then I think Usman just needs to retire. That would, I mean... Assuming that Usman would win both of those fights. No, just one fight. Or no, just one fight. Okay, I see what you're saying. Uh, Yeah, I mean, that would be a good way to walk away. Yeah. Five, five, um, five title defenses. And how, how many uh, fight win streak is he on, did you say? 14 right now. 14, damn. He's 
two away from tying Anderson Silva. Right. That's insane. So he'll probably, you know, he's got people in his ear already being like, you could totally break that record. Yeah. But then, but then again, man, you know, there's got to be like an epic fight in there for him to walk away from, walk away with. I don't see it. I don't know what it is. Man. I don't know. Well, did, did you see, and I don't know how much this is just media bullshit, but did you see, I, I just texted you before the show. Do you see that uh, Connor posted and said that he wants to come to he wants to come to one seventy? Why? Because I mean that's Connor and he thinks that's the fight probably in one seventy. So this is assuming he beats Poirier, then he's going to move up to one seventy, right? I guess. And who does he think he's going to fight at one seventy? I don't know. Do you think that he feels like he would deserve the title shot right off the bat if he jumped at 170? Oh, that's a bad idea, Connor. I'm just saying. That is a bad idea. Look, 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 look. If the version of Connor that fought Dustin the second time fights the version of Usman, even a tiny smidge of the Usman we saw last night, Connor's in big, big trouble. Tremendous trouble. Yeah. He doesn't stand a chance. Yeah. I think Connor's too small for 170. I know he says he likes it and he feels good at, but I don't I don't think he, I don't I don't think that's just naturally that's just not his fighting weight. I think 155 is his fighting weight. Yeah. I don't know. Uh cuz I remember like I I would think about it when when Woodley was the champion and people were talking about Connor should just go up and challenge for a third belt. And I was picturing that fight in my head. I'm like man I don't know. Like Connor's good. And this is when Connor was Connor. Like mm-hmm. he was lighting the world on fire and he was look, but I'm, I'm like thinking about that fight. I'm like, I don't know, man, like that, the size difference between those two guys, when they would eventually get into the octagon after they've weighed in and, Oh, I don't know. Speaking of Tyron. So he's been dropped from the welterweight welterweight rankings. He was 10th on our last podcast. Cause I remember I mentioned it. Uh-huh. So now he's been dropped out of the rankings, right? Does this mean that he's going to be released and then he's going to fight Jake Paul, your boy? Why? Okay. For one, if that's the case, this happened really fast. Well, and let me, let me, before, t- before you answer the question in full. Okay. Dana Wyatt made it very clear last night that he's not going to do business like that. He's not going to do Jake Paul business. Right. <sighs> okay. However, do you 100% believe that? I do. I and do. the reason I say that is what if say this, ha- say this whole scenario happens, say Woodley's released from the UFC and he fights Jake Paul and Jake Paul wins somehow. Why do you do this to my soul? Because you have to have, we have to have the devil's advocate uh, scenario here. Okay. Jake Paul wins somehow. Jesus. That's got to throw a higher money tag on Jake Paul. Okay. And, and, and we also we, they... we also know that if we're talking Dana White, money has a huge part in things that he's involved in. Yeah, but do you know who generates more revenue than Jake Paul? Do you see? Oh, just Dana White. <laughs> yeah. He doesn't need Jake Paul to generate revenue. 
And, and he's made that. And that's one of the things that I like that he's saying. He's not even entertaining the idea because he's coming at it. He's taken the approach like you guys can keep talking about this kid all you want. Good for him at being good at public relations. But I know what I'm doing. Yeah. I don't need him. Yeah. He also called bullshit on the pay-per-view numbers for the Askren Jake Paul. Fight. That is true. Which I didn't. Did you see the numbers? Apparently he did 1.3 million buys. I have a feeling that's not accurate. How, 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 who, who did that? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> uh, so again, what, Hey, do you think, do you think the Logan Paul and Mayweather will bring those numbers in? Maybe. I think there's a lot more of a chance because you have a lot of people who are going to want to see Logan get his face knocked off and it's Mayweather. Yeah, but don't people watch Floyd for the same reason? So where where is the in between on that? Mm, yeah, I guess that's true. I guess does it really weird. generate more interest than if it's a story where it's like somebody who can actually potentially beat Floyd? When it was Pacquiao, people were like, "This is what we've wanted to see. We always had to know right. if they fought, who would win." Right. You know, with Connor, okay, he's an MMA champion. Like, and he's setting the world on fire in MMA. Let's see what happens. It's a YouTuber who's one, <laughs> one, and one against other YouTubers. I'm just saying. I don't see where. I don't see the connection. Well, we went from Pacquiao <laughs> to Connor to Fluffhead. What happened? Yeah. Well, that was one thing. And I'll play the clip here in a second what, we're, what, we're, what we're talking about. But like with Jake Paul, I was glad that Dana White he mentioned, you know, that Jake Paul is like his opponents are handpicked, like who he's fighting. Yeah. And I, I just think when, when you say it that way, I think that's important. I think it's important to say it that way. It's an important distinction to make because yeah. they're not people that he has to fight. They're people that he wants to fight because he thinks he can beat them. Right. Now that's not an uncommon thing in the fight business, especially in boxing. However, let's make one thing clear. You will not hear me say that this guy's a professional boxer. So. <laughs> okay, well, here, let me uh, pop the clip on. Here we go. Maybe. Here we go. A little, you know, confrontation there. Listen, I've said it before and I'll say it again. This kid's done a good job of putting himself in a place to make some money, man, you know? So, good for him. Um... He's got you guys talking about him all the time and asking questions about him and that Daniel Cormier running after him. So he's doing something right, you know. He knocked out an NBA guy that was 40 years old and 30 pounds less than him. And, you know, I, I don't even know what to think about the Aspen thing, man. I, I, it's a whole thing is fucking mind-boggling to me. But, um, hey, good for him. Grab that money while you can, kid. I was going to say, would you ever do business with him? I mean, it sounds weird, but the numbers are there. The numbers are there? Nah, I don't know if the numbers are there. I, I, listen, do you know what the, what would happen to this guy? He ain't fighting in the UFC. These guys are... You get me talking about this fucking guy again. He's getting hand-picked opponents, and God knows what else is going on with that whole fucking thing. I, it, it's all... There is a market for that. That's not what I do. That is not what I do. People 
people want to see that, and, and, and you know, people want to see it, and, and it's great, and this kid's going to make a couple bucks before this, this ride is over, and uh, it's just not what I do. What I do is what happened tonight. What happened tonight is we sold this place out, and it was packed, and uh, the numbers that you're hearing that they did are full of shit. They're full of shit, okay? They didn't pull those kind of numbers at all, not even fucking close. And um, tonight, what happened here tonight is what I do. The best versus the best. There is a market for that. People want to see that stuff, and that kid's going to make a couple bucks, and good for him. Yeah, he's right. You you know what's funny you, you know what's funny though as soon as he did that in the middle of that where he's like you're gonna make me talk about this like he didn't want to but he felt like he needed to you do that all the time <laughs> especially well, on this show because I just continue to make conversation that you don't want to talk about <laughs> yeah well one of his employees confronted him at the event so I think it was inevitable that someone asked him and that he probably would talk about it right um. DC would murder that kid. Oh my God. Yeah. Okay. There you go. Yeah. yeah no, 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 no. I'm not going to do it. Never mind. Never mind. Never mind. I was going to say there's a real cruiserweight that you can fight, Jake Paul. But no, I'm not. No, no. Are you sure? <sighs> Are you sure? Yes. I can't. I can't. <laughs> I can't. Uh, I agree with everything Dana White said. He's, he's correct. He's correct. And it still blows my mind how many people are buying into the bullshit. Joe Rogan had Action Bronson on last week. Okay. And they were talking about it. The Ben Askren, Jake Paul fight. And Action Bronson was like, it was a fucking joke. Like he, he was just like, everything about it was a joke. My boy, my, he's like, my boy came in round. My boy had roles like this. It was just <laughs> everything about it was a joke. Yeah. And Joe, fucking Joe, that kid can crack. He's clearly got power. And I'm like, God damn you, Joe Rogan. Why? Why are you doing this? I mean, do you he think do you, do you think he legitimately feels that way? Or do you think there for some reason he's pushing it? I don't know. I'm not saying there's somebody's in his in his ear or anything like that. I'm just saying, like, is there? I don't know. It, it nor, normally you wouldn't think that Joe Rogan would have any kind of agenda behind p- hyping up someone, but is there a possibility for some reason he is? I don't know. Is there the possibility that he's just been always been bad at his job and we never noticed? Because I did ask <laughs> you're re- last night you're you really respond. you're really into this now, aren't you? I am. I am obsessed. I just think he's bad at his job. I think he's bad at analyzing fighters and assessing fights and talent. Who is the biggest Ben Askren dick rider before Ben Askren got to the UFC? Yeah, I know. What did Joe Rogan always say? What did he always say? This guy comes to the UFC, everybody's in trouble. He's dominating guys. Now, look, I don't want to take anything. I like Ben Which Askren. he was. He was, but... He was. He was fighting world-class guys. However, I think the assessment of his talent and his ability to go to the UFC and just take over the welterweight division was a little bit over-exaggerated on his part. Now, again, 
that's a good way to sell a guy and get the you know people talking and you be you being the guy who's the main driving force behind a guy who to be honest with you did generate a lot of interest and attention when he came to the UFC so you being the guy that that's attached to only helps you right right mm-hmm. i get that but as someone who's a mixed martial artist himself who's supposed to really know how to be able to do these things <laughs> i think it was a big a big uh a big mistake on his part to push the guy so hard um i don't know i i don't know Maybe he's just always been bad at his job, dude. We just were fans. We didn't notice. I still am a Joe Rogan fan. Even though I'm shitting on him a lot lately, I really am a fan. Yeah. And I'm only shitting on him because, unfortunately, unfortunately, there were so many of those shows, those troll shows that came across my YouTube feed. And I just started, b- believe me, I'm fascinated by them. I am. I'm, I'm still, fa- like, I know I sound like I'm hating right now, but let me make something very clear. I'm not hating in the way where I still don't go listen to Joe Rogan's podcast because I still do. I'm still a fan. I'm just like sort of assessing like different things about maybe what we perhaps didn't notice before. But I am fascinated by these shows where they literally know everything about Joe Rogan. Right. They know everything about him. And just all, all an hour and 30 minutes, two hours is just dedicated to shitting on him. They know his wife's name. They know how many kids he has. They know their kid, his kids' ages. They know where he goes to have dinner. In order for you to know all that, you really have to pay attention, right? Yeah. Do you know anything about Joe Rogan's wife or his kids? I, he, I've heard very little about his kids. I know and, nothing about. And, and I don't situation. think he's. I don't think I've ever heard the names or anything like that. It's just been like he talks about like scenarios that's happened with his kids or something. But right. I've never heard his he, wife's name once. Me neither. I don't know that information. Do yeah. you know why I don't know that information? I don't need to know that information. True. Yeah. I don't care. Right. I don't need to know that much about Joe Rogan. You know why? Because I'm still a fan. Yeah. Right. But so I'm fascinated by these shows that do that. But w- one thing that they've done is, or one thing that they do, one show in particular, is they always find the moments where Joe's wrong about comedy or about fighting or something. Now, again, everyone's wrong about like, dude, I'm not, no one's perfect. Like you say the wrong things. Sometimes you, you are a hypocrite. You, you do, you do things that you perhaps didn't mean to do. You didn't think they would come, it was whatever. So I get that. Mm-hmm. I get that. But I guess when you so passionately push one agenda, like Joe Rogan has been known to do, and then you're completely hypocritical about it. That could come off as like, well, maybe he's not as authentic as we thought he was. Right. Well, you know and, and I mean? that's kind of what I was tra- how I was trying to tie the whole Dana White thing a while ago with with him. Like, he can say right now that he would ne- like never tie himself to, you know, Jake Paul or anything like that. But I'm thinking in my head, okay, is it possible that then in the future somehow Jake Paul can generate the kind of money and the kind of numbers that Dana White would be interested in connecting with? And then you're like, okay, well, Dana White's hypocritical because last night he just said he would never do any business with this guy. But right. then, but then again, it's like, does people care? Because that one time he said he wouldn't do business, but now the numbers are there and he does. Like, what, do people do people care that he was hypocritical at one point? No, exactly. So that's what that's what I'm saying, though. I don't think he's worried about being a hypocrite. Yeah, I think he's worried about his position in the fight game as a promoter. Right. He's probably the best. 
for sure. You know, yeah. Uh, so him saying, I don't need Jake Paul. I don't need to do Jake Paul business. I have my own business to worry about. Yeah. I think that's real. I think that's a real thing. Yeah. I think he really, I, if I had to guess, I think he really does feel that way because look, the moment he gets into Jake Paul business, people start questioning, well, how good of a promoter is Dana White? Why does he need Jake Paul? Right. Yeah. I, people are going to think that anyway. Yeah. But he does uh, as, as a giant fan of the UFC and someone who does criticize Dana, I'm a huge fan of both. And I don't, I don't think he needs Jake Paul. I well, absolutely fucking, not. No, I, I hope he doesn't. Let me just put it that way. I hope at any point down the line, he doesn't. Right. You know, um, I just, okay. You know, and it goes back to something we talked about a lot, especially when it comes to like Amanda Nunez, Amanda Nunez, people like that, you know, like Kamara Usman, do you think he's getting the push that he that he deserves from the UFC? Yes. Mm. Via his opponents and the matchups, yes. You think so? Yes. I mean, I now, I, I think I'm look, sl- I think I'm slowly getting away from, <laughs> and you've been telling me to do it for a long time, but I'm slowly getting away from like the push that Connor got. And I guess for a long time, I always expected, you know, if you have a title holder who's defended the title several times and and has a big fight, you know, we should be seeing promos like what we would get from Connor back in, you know, back in the day and stuff like that. And I know that that also comes from a fighter doing that kind of stuff and talking the way that Connor did and things like that. I just, I don't feel like. You know, the, I don't know. Like, even with this this Usman and Masvidal fight, this was a huge fight, and I just I didn't feel like the push was there. Um. Well, remember the 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 push and everything has to be sort of on a on a, a limited basis because of the pandemic, right? This this also though already had a built in storyline, meaning they fought before Masvidal took the fight on six days' notice. So they didn't need to do much to promote what the fight was to even the casual fan. True. I think even the casual fan knew what was going on because Masvidal previously, I don't know if he will anymore. I mean, I he will, but Masvidal brought in casual fans because of his style, the way he fights, the things he says, mm-hmm. the BMF title, all that shit. Um, so I don't know if, I don't know if there had to be. But as far as Usman goes, I don't, dude. There's never going to be another Connor, so right. we gotta we gotta move on from that. Yeah. But Connor also dictated a lot of that. Yeah. On his own, and I think Dana White bought in early, and he saw the potential. But it also, I, I say this over and over and over, a lot of what made Connor successful is because of where he comes from. Right. The Irish people, when they have a a sports figure that they can get behind, yeah, they fucking do it can can i have a sports story that they can get behind they fucking do it can i ask one question of every every ufc crowd though oh i know what you're gonna ask okay what is it can Um, i guess yes why are they doing the rick flair no not the woo the olay That's just a sports thing, though. That's done it. I, I mean, don't. That's done at baseball games now. For fuck's sake! <laughs> I don't no care. One knows what they're doing. I don't care. I, it you drives like me it? insane. I don't like it. Uh, I, well, I like it when it's the appropriate people doing it. <laughs> okay. 
a bunch of dumb people from Florida do it. No, it's not that cool. Um, well, let's uh, yeah. let's talk about how ironic it is that Chris Weidman snapped his leg last night. Yeah. And you know what freaks me out the most about that is because, and I know when you're, when you're fighting somebody and you're in that cage, adrenaline's pumping and everything like that, but Chris Weidman goes to kick and his foot wraps around the back of Uriah Hall's knee. Yeah. And if you watch Chris Weidman's face, he never even knew anything happened until his foot came back down and touched the mat. Like his foot is dangling and flapping in the wind until he hits the ground. He has no idea what's happened. Sure. And I guess maybe it's part of that whole thing. Like when you stub your toe or something, there's like a second and a half there where you're like, this is going to hurt really bad, but it doesn't hurt yet. I wonder, I guess it's kind of like that too. Um, I don't know. I, I've never broken a. I've never. I've had a couple of broken bones, but I've never done it like that. So I don't. I, I don't know. I can only speak from experience. Like, I know I've heard, especially when Anderson Silva did it, and there have been a, like some kickboxing guys that have done it that way as well. You don't feel it like the bone break on the impact like that, uh, because it's still because of the motion of the leg and like the the way that the bone was you only sort of feel it once you have to go back and put that different uh, form of pressure. I can't, I wish I knew the medical terms for this, but the different form of the different angle of pressure or wherever the gotcha. pressure is coming from a different place. So like when he, when his foot, when, when his, it. when his foot hits the floor is like a pressure coming from it from. Well, the bone has to, has to sort of do what it's intended to do, which is reform in order for him to put pressure on weight on his leg. Yeah. You know, well, yeah. I can't obviously. Right. Um, man. that it was, yeah, it dude. was, it was nasty though. So my question is, is this, does this retirement for Chris Weidman? He, He's 38, yeah, right? I, I hope so, dude. He's 38. I hope so, man. I want it when that last fight his in his last fight, I know he won, but he didn't look good, man. He looked slow. He was shooting lazy takedowns. Well, he had a neck surgery too, right? He's had like five neck surgeries. Oh damn. Dude. Really? He's had so many surgeries, dude. He's probably, when he was a champion, he was probably the unhealthiest champion (laughs) the UFC's ever seen. Really? As far as injuries and having to fight with injuries and getting injuries repaired. And um, I always go back to, what if he never gets hurt before that second Rockhold fight? Yeah. And he fights Rockhold and he beats Rockhold. What does the evolution of the middleweight division look like right. if that happens? That didn't. Well, it's, the rest is history. But, um, you know, Michael Bisbing owes his championship era. He owes most of that to Chris Weidman's injury-prone tendencies. Because he got the rock hold yeah. fight? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but I feel bad. Yeah, I. but I'm saying this because I am a Chris Weidman fan. Uh, I think he should retire. I think it's time. I don't know how you come back from something like that at that age. When Anderson did it to him, when Anderson broke his leg on Chris Weidman, what was he? 38 close 36. Well, I mean, he was up there, right? I mean, yeah, I say Weidman's 38 now. So we're talking about the same scenario, but Silva had how many fights after how many fights did he win after that? Right. One. Yeah. Nick Diaz. That's it. Yeah. Oh, uh, I don't know. 
So he probably probably should retire. Yeah. Yeah. He probably won't. What do you? What did you think about? Uh, what was his name? Uh, the, the first fight. Jimmy Crute. Jimmy Crute. What did you think about that? You think that was just a massive dead leg? I don't know. I mean, if it's a tendon thing, it's hard. That takes forever for that to wear itself out, and you'd be able to like apply pressure. Well, I thought I thought it was like an MCL tear or something, like because it was a, a kick to the side of the knee. So at, fir- at first, I thought, man, he just maybe popped his ACL and MCL both at the same time. But like yeah. even his ankle was rolling over and stuff too, so it's all—it's almost like his leg just died for a little bit. From yeah, the knee it down. might have been one of those. I can't remember what it's called the medical term for it, but what happened to Michael Chandler in his fight when he was in Bellator, like it was just a freak thing that happened, and then he couldn't—he couldn't put any weight on his foot. Yeah, so he kept like stumbling over like Crute was. Um, yeah, very bizarre. Very bizarre. It was, it was bizarre to have two fights back to back that something like that happened. If it had happened with no fans, it probably would have been a, a big bummer. But the fact that there were fans there, and I know I hate I, that makes me sound weird, but the reaction to Weidman's injury kind of made it, again, while gruesome and you feel bad for him, it made it entertaining to hear the oohs and ahs and the, and the crowd reaction to the replays. And you know what I mean? Otherwise, it just would have been DC and Joe Rogan telling bad jokes to each other. <laughs> so, um, and John Anik being disgusted with it. Dude, I, he is fed up with those two guys. <laughs> I am telling you, he puts on a happy face because he's probably right now one of the more important pieces to that organization uh-huh. because he just does what I mean. He what, Does he ever stop working? I don't think does so. Does he ever see his kids? <laughs> I don't think so. Um, because so, he, he does all the fights, right? He does all of them. All of them. Damn. So, but, and imagine when they were going overseas, you know? Right. But you can tell he is just fed up with them. <laughs> it's so funny. He has this, like, just a little hint of disdain in his voice when those two are, when those two are, like, bantering. You can tell he's just like, okay, moving on. Like, he has that whole attitude. Yeah. Um, what was I going to say earlier? So yeah, the one thing I said, Wonder Boy was on Rogan's podcast. I think after Action Bronson. Okay. And Wonder Boy still thinks he's ready for a title shot and should be next. So like I said, make that fight with Covington happen. Covington won't do it. And Usman even said he's like Colby Covington needs to show me something before I agree to a fight with him. He's just waiting around. He's not. He's and, and another thing that Usman has going for him. He's active. Yeah. Before becoming a champion and as a champion, he hasn't been sitting around on his ass. Right. Handpicking opponents, waiting for the right matchup. Like, if you think about it, the, the first fight with Burns, like, okay, I get why Burns is the number one contender. When it falls through, if you're Usman, do you go, ah, I'm just going to move on from that. Why do I need to book that again? You know what I mean? Yeah. And he does. He just does. Yeah. I, I don't know. So I agree with him though. Like Kobe Covington needs to win another fight before he can just go. Yeah, yeah, another shot. I mean, I their fight was entertaining and it was a good fight, and it did take four and a half rounds for Usman to win the fight. But I don't blame him. But also, does he really want to spend another, you know, potentially four months of build up with that moron? Right. Listening to him blabber on about whatever it is he's saying. What's, what is his agenda now that Trump's not in office? 
Who oh, is he now? Dude, that's a good question. I don't know. Because that was his character, right? So I'll, He was the Make America Great Again guy. Right. What is he now? Oh, I don't know. I wonder if he even had a plan. Maybe he just thought that Trump was going to win again and that he would have another four years of being able to have this character. I don't know. Yeah. He's a nerd. He is a fucking dork. Um, dude. I, I just, I don't think he has the clout to be able to just sit around and wait for that, that fight again. And if I was, that's what he does anyway, though. I know, but still his entire UFC career, he has not been active. He sits around. That's the other thing too, man. Like if you want to get in the good graces of the UFC, you need to fight. You're not rewarded for just sitting around. Yeah. You know, right. You're not punished necessarily, but you're not rewarded. You know, okay. You won an interim belt. You fought for a title once you lost since then you've had one fight. Is that one fight good enough to get a title shot again? I don't know. So the next, uh, the next fight you said is Oliveira and Michael Chandler, right? And then we've got when is Connor and Poirier three? Is that in June? June maybe. Uh, they just booked Adesanya's fighting Vittori. Oh, I didn't see that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Whitaker's pissed. Oh, really? I bet. Oh yeah, Whitaker's pissed. And then we've got Edwards and Diaz somewhere in the mix there too, right? That's on the Oliveira card. Oliveira oh, really? Chandler card. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. That'll, That'll be, be a pretty UFC good card then. 262, right? Let me look it up. So May's you at May's pay-per-view? Yeah. Charles Oliveira, Michael Chandler, Leon Edwards, Nate Diaz, Tony Ferguson, Benil Dariush, Caitlin Shuche Caitlin Chukagian, and Vivian Arajo, Shane Burgos, and Edson Barboza. That's the main card. Do you think that Tony Ferguson has already had a make or break fight and he's on the downward slope, or do you think this fight with Darius could be his make or break fight. So what happens if he beats Darius? If he, if he beats Darius, could we see an uprising of him again? Or if he loses, are we just like, all right, Tony Ferguson is going to make his way down the ranks now. Yeah. Well, look, I don't, even if he wins, I don't think he's in any position any, I don't think he's close to getting a title shot. Gotcha. I think Gaethje's ahead of him. Poirier is certainly ahead of him. I think the loser of the Oliveira Chandler fight, depending upon how they lose, meaning if they don't lose badly, if they lose the decision, I think they're ahead of him. And again, sorry to say it, but Connor's probably ahead of him too. If Connor beats Dustin, he's right there in the mix. Yeah. Did I say Gaethje? I said Gaethje you did. first, right? He did. Um, Yeah, he's got those people to worry about. If 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 he if he if he wins, if yeah. he loses, forget about it. Right. You know what else is crazy? I just looked at this. Ferguson's thirty-seven, which we already knew that. I mean, he is getting old too, and he's looking old. But Neil Dariush is only thirty-one years old. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. Good for him. He looks fifty. That's all, that's why I was saying good for him. <laughs> Still badass, but I'm just yeah. saying 
I, I thought he was much older than that because it feels like he's been fighting in the UFC for 15 years. Yeah. I know it hasn't been that long, but, and in fact, I think the first fight I remember him in was when he fought Michael Johnson and he won like a really bad decision. Um, either way. Uh, so that's a pretty good card. I like that card. We really got to plan a card to get together to podcast on. I don't know if this one's enough for me to do that, to drive to the woods. <laughs> so what is UFC 263? Let's look that up. Let me see here. What do we got? If that's, Ju- if that's June, that might be Connor. And no, that's Adesanya Vittori. Oh, so is Connor in July? I guess. Yeah, maybe that. I think it is July. UFC 264. Is that what I said it was? 263 is Izzy, Vittori, Davison, Figueredo, and Moreno's rematch. Okay. Which I'm really excited for that. Drew Dober, Brad Riddell, Damian Maya, Bilal Muhammad. So far, that's the only, only people on the card thus far. See, and I've said that several times. That's weird to me. Like, we're, they, we're only two months out from a card, and we only have... Four, three fights on it? Did you say three fights or four? Four. Four fights on it? So UFC 264 is Connor Poye. Okay, so July. And that is the only fight on the card so far. Jesus. <laughs> I mean, that is July, but... But still, that's what I'm saying. That that they will, but isn't that weird, though? Because you got to think, I mean, say eight. What's a normal camp for most people? Like, if you're actually... Six weeks. Just six weeks, that's it? I thought it was more so. like eight. Okay. That makes a little well, more I mean, sense it then. It can be, but I think six weeks is is sort of the standard for that. Okay. Hmm. So the next card is May 1st. Dominic Reyes and Yuri Pro Shaka. Cub Swatson and Giga Chikadze. That's actually a really good fight. What's the next card after that? Is it the whoa? Saturday, May eighth, Corey Sanhagen, TJ Dillashaw. Oh, really? And it's the only fight on the card so far. So that's May eighth. <laughs> so that's different. That's like now we're getting into that's what, what two? That's is it two weeks away? <laughs> it's April twenty fifth. Yeah. How is there no one else on that card? I don't know. Well, there's one prelim fight booked. Ooh. And don't ask me to pronounce pronounce either names. <laughs> Hafan Nichui <laughs> and Jun Young Park. Yeah, so the main card's just Corey Sanhagen. That's going to be a great fight. I'm so excited for that. Anyway, um, enough enough about fighting here. We need to uh, <laughs> we need to say R.I.P. to the one and only Shock G of Digital Underground. Dude, aren't aren't you tired of saying R.I.P. The last three episodes we've had an R.I.P. What is it with rappers in their 50s, man? They're just dropping like flies. I know. Um, you said something disrespectful, though, before the show. How did you refer to Shock G? The, did you call him Humpty or something? No, I didn't call him Humpty. I said I couldn't remember who it was, and him? I said I didn't call him Humpty. Are you sure you didn't? I might. Well, I might have said the Humpty guy. Ah, fuck that. The Humpty guy? I apologize. Yeah, dude, that's that's that sucks, man. He was 
So I'll tell you one of my favorite moments for him. And it's not even, it doesn't even necessarily have to do with his music, which is just follow me here. I'm not, I'm not going to be disrespectful, (laughs) but here's one of my favorite moments of his. He, to me, just seemed like a real motherfucker. And here's why. So do you remember the show Defiant Ones? Did you ever watch that? Mm -mm. It was on HBO. Uh -uh. So Defiant Ones was about Jimmy Iovine and Dr. Dre. Okay. And their whole rise to, you know, starting labels and, and, you know, eventually with Apple buying beats and everything. But so they had the episode where they're talking about death row because death row was part of Interscope, which is where Jimmy Iovine came from. Okay. And, um, but they're talking about that whole era of when Tupac moved over to death row after he got out of jail, like Suge Knight got him out of jail. And, you know, so Shock G was actually good friends with Tupac. Tupac was actually a dancer for Digital Underground, Shock G's group, way back in the day. Okay. I don't know if you knew that. I'm assuming you didn't. I I uh, think you've said that on the show before. That's the only reason. Have I really? I think yeah. I think that clicked. What are the odds of that? that? So anyway, so they're 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 friends. Okay. And so Shock G is being interviewed for the for the documentary, and he's talking about how how excited he was when Tupac got out of jail, and how all right he's back. He's going to be better than ever. The music's going to be insane. He's going to have these these stories to tell, and then he talked about how he moved over to the death row and he just became this different person and shock G started crying as he's talking about it. He's like, I don't, I don't know my friend at the time. He's like, I was feeling this way. He's like, I don't know my friend anymore. I feel like he's become a monster crying, you know, grown man. Yeah. That's some real shit, dude. Like it wasn't fake. It wasn't like put on for the documentary because to be honest with you, he doesn't need to put on for the documentary. It doesn't help him right in any way for people to go. Oh, like, you know what I mean? Like, it was just a fucking like a very real moment, you know, that he has to look back on. It's not like this is something that's happening now or happened recently. He has to go back and relive that moment. And it genuinely hurt his soul. Yeah. I just thought like, and, and also look in the hip hop world, is it really cool for you to cry? No. Is it really cool for you to be emotional and one with your feelings? No. So I thought it was like a very, it was a very real moment. I thought it made me respect him more. It made me like him more. I know that's silly to say, but whatever. No, I get it. I'm emo. I like that shit. Whatever. <laughs> so, um, yeah. So, RIP. Was there was there anything else? And I'm not trying to be disrespectful. I'm just curious. Is it was there anything? Any other songs that he had that were like big? <sighs> I mean, that I, I guess might if know you, if if it okay. From a music music industry perspective, yes, I guess they were a one hit wonder. Okay, I guess. Okay, but. But, but, but. You say, you say they. Digital Underground. Oh, okay. Gotcha. He was just the front man for Digital Underground. Okay. Okay. Shock G. And then he had the character that he did, that did the Humpty Dance. Gotcha. Okay. Uh, hum- um, so yeah, that's a bummer. Well, I'm hoping that next episode we don't have another one of these. How did he, how did he die? Um, did I look that up? I think I was so bummed I didn't even read the story. Let me see if I can find it real quick here. He was 57. I know that. Okay. God, I didn't even realize he was that old. I mean, that's not old, but. Jimmy Chapman. 34 years ago. Uh, how did he die? doesn't say uh 
maybe they haven't said yet. Let me look at a different story here. Or maybe it's not for reasons that the family wants to let out or something. That's probably the case. I want to say that someone said something about drugs, but um, God damn it. Do we rely on the Washington Post to give us the news? Here, let's see. <laughs> it doesn't say. Nothing? Okay. I'm, I'm, nope. I'm going to assume, whether good or bad, I'm going to assume that it's because family doesn't want it out, what happened or something You know like TMC that. would leak it if they knew. Let me see if TMZ said. Yeah, it's true. Fuck TMZ. Oh, I swear to God, God, this is the first line. Of their story. Shock G, famous for Digital Underground's hit song, The Humpty Dance, and his work with Tupac Shakur is dead. And his work for Tupac Shakur, really? So you had to connect two dead guys? I hate TMZ. What a bunch of horse shit. How are they a reputable? Do you consider him dead Thursday in a hotel room in Tampa? Do you consider them reputable? I think people do. We're told the cause of death is unclear, but there are no signs of trauma. Okay, so it hasn't come out yet. Hasn't there been a lot of stuff with TMZ, though, where like they came out prematurely because they just wanted to have the story so fast that, and then... I don't know. Found Fuck out TMZ. a lot that, of... That is, ugh. that is representative of everything wrong with our culture, our culture being American culture. It represents everything bad about what we do. It's why people from other countries hate us. If you ever want to go, why do people from that country hate us so much? It's because TMZ exists. Okay. And I'm done. <laughs> One of these days, we're going to change the name of this show to Patrick Hates Everything. I do hate everything. I know. But I also love everything. That makes no sense at all to me. Because I've of the done... stuff that I hate on, <laughs> I still enjoy. <laughs> I really hope you're Let's in therapy. <laughs> my therapist hates me, trust me. <laughs> He's like, in all my years, I just don't understand when I don't understand humans, it happens very rarely, but I swear you're one of them. You're an odd bird. He's never said that to me, but that has to be going on in his head sometimes. Anyway, I got, let's get out of here. You had me excited there for a second. I thought you were being serious. Not, <laughs> no, he didn't say that to me. He can't. He would be a terrible therapist if he did say something like that to me. He'd be really bad at his job. <sighs> All right, let's get out of here. See you.